we're going. Okay, okay, okay. I guess you should have said it this time because we're recording from Harry's Yeah, computer. how did you know we were going? Because I watched. Anyway, you're going to hear the welcome back, Heater. Uh, how are you today? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Yeah, everyone, you're going to hear the heater, but that's just going to be a norm for a little while. It's zero degrees here, maybe negative one or two. I don't know. I didn't check the weather before we started recording. Therefore, yeah, you're going to have to deal with this. I, th- I think that you should just think of it as like a a, a babbling brook or like a, a crackling fire. It's just, it's just a nice little... It, it, I, I, as yeah. I've been saying, it adds ambiance. It's a yeah, nice storytelling atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, yeah, that's you're going to hear think, it. But I, what, what, what I think doesn't count for much around here. Oh, you left the door parts. open. Oh, sorry. Go oh, shut oh, the door. I'll talk to the folks. Welcome, everyone. My name is Carly. Harry just left, but he's the other voice. I think you can tell our voices apart. Um, you're listening to Known Unknown's podcast. Did you have to slam it? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, you're listening to Known Unknown's podcast, the podcast you love, and um, how are you? How are you this week, Harry? Harry's back. How are uh, you this week? Uh, I'm fine. I'm well. I, I'm the same as last week, I think, pretty much. Cool. What are they doing outside there? What are they there? doing outside? What in the heck? Uh, plowing, maybe? It's snowing, or it was snowing. Could it was be. plow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've actually never seen them plow these roads. I've... I've only seen them plow main roads. I think it's. I think the plow is too big to get in the street with all I've the. Seen snow plows go down our street. Okay then. All right. I've never seen it. I don't yeah, believe it. Yeah, I guess it. I just pay attention more. So what's new? Well, nothing's new, Carly. Um, well, actually, I'll tell you something that I found out about that existed right before we started recording. Yeah. It's called fan-controlled football. Fan-controlled football. Yeah, the FCF, the Fan-Controlled Football League, which is a professional indoor football league um, where fans control everything that happens. Like, it just it just started that, actually, I think tonight was, like, the first two games of it where they stream it live on Twitch, and apparently fans, like, pick, they, they like, vote on, like, rule changes at the start of the season. Like, every week they, like, the fans vote like, um, to draft players. Wait, is it like it's a... It's like a real, real, like, real live football where they play. It's a seven on people seven. People get together and play football. Yeah, like professional football players. Like seven on seven on like Wait. a 50-yard Are you serious right indoors. now? Yeah. This mm-hmm. is cool. I think I could watch that. Oh, really? I think okay. so, yeah. Well, maybe after this we'll watch like the first uh, games. Oh, my God. Yeah, I want to watch yeah, this. Yeah, it's like uh, it takes place... IRL in like an arena, <gasps> it, like a seven v seven on a fifty yard field. I love that. I actually think that's really fun. And uh, the yeah, fans vote on like how uh, yeah the rules sure for the season. Um, we should have recorded on my computer. They vote for like um, what players are on the teams, and they vote. They, actually, fans vote like on like, during the game. Or is it beforehand? Oh, the, b- before and during. They during the game they vote on the plays that the teams run. Like you get on either 
I guess the app Twitch. or something or Twitch. Didn't they say Twitch? Yeah, they did it on Twitch. <gasps> it's it, it, it streamed on Twitch, and I think you can vote through Twitch or through like a, the FCF app. <laughs> I love this. Okay, we're gonna try this later. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. I, Are they playing tonight? Yeah, oh, I tonight bet it's over. Was the first, it's ten p.m. Yeah, uh, what was the schedule? Well, we could watch it to see how it went. Yeah, right? They, they, I'm sure they would still have them up as uh, VOD. Yeah. <gasps> very, very strange to me, but I thought it was very weird and I wanted to talk about it. I just wanted to share that I found out about this. Interesting. Okay. We'll keep you updated on what, how it's like then. <laughs> what? Nothing. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird idea to me. I don't know how it'll, I don't know if it'll last. They have, it's, it's, it's going to be a, there are four teams in the, it's a way to have uh, the fans be interactive again yeah it's cool you got you got the glacier boys the zappers oh glacier the, boys the that's my team and the wild aces nope glacier boys all right we're this is officially a glacier boys podcast that's hilarious but it's like, boys with a z i know glacier it, boys it's weird because the the players on each team change every week like i think two <gasps> or three players stay on each team throughout the season and then the rest of them just get you like redraft the players every week. The fans vote on which which players they want on their team. It's very strange. I love it. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I know it is cool. It's different. Cool. I like it. All right. Anyway, I just wanted to say that I found out about that and it kind of blew my mind. That's amazing. I bet it's it's. Okay. I I don't know. <laughs> it seems it seems uh, gimmicky, and I'm skeptical that it'll work. But maybe it'll be fun. Wait, maybe. is this American football yeah, or American, is it soccer? American football. Okay. American long football. Long football. <laughs> Brown football. Brown football. Okay. Um. Anything else has happened this week? Didn't more hikers go missing at the? Diet Dietlov Pass. Yeah, I, I didn't read that article. I, I, I sent it to you so that you could read it. But oh, I didn't. <laughs> I read. So I skimmed it. Apparently, people went missing again. All right. Well, uh, let me let me look that up real quick. See if I can give it. No, update let on. me let me look it up. Okay. You're on the computer. Sorry. Continue talking to them so I can look this up. Okay. Um, what else is going on? It's still cold. It's still snowing. It's great. I love it. Tomorrow. We're, it's Valentine's yeah, we're Day. Recording we're recording on Saturday. Saturday for once because tomorrow is Valentine's Day and we've got a, a long day planned of uh, cuddling on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Diet Love Pass tourists go missing while visiting area of mysterious hiking incident. I wonder if they were found them. Because that, that was like a week ago or a few days I ago. That they were about to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. That happened on the... 10th this article group of tourists have gone missing in an infamous russian mountain pass where nine people died under mysterious circumstances more than 60 years ago eight tourists from moscow who ventured into the dietlov pass in the ural ural region had not returned by wednesday morning as expected a local resident told e1ru <laughs> what did i say that wrong nothing the it's source said uh they were supposed to leave at eight o'clock this morning but they had not returned yet and there is no contact with them the tourists came to visit the path pass to pay tribute to the nine people who died there on february 1959 the source reportedly added huh oh man and now 
Now, if they die, more people are going to go there to pay tribute to them, and then they're going to go missing. If the group is not registered, then there has then there have been no reports of missing people either. Okay. Hmm. Is there an update to this? Hang on. Uh, that's what I was going to look for. Okay. Okay, let me look it up. Okay. All right, talk to them more. Okay. Uh, you know... Football's sort of a barbaric sport, and I normally don't. I'm not interested in it, but I I I, I like when it isn't taken seriously. Um, so that that's part of why the whole fan-controlled football jumped out to me. Where it it seemed that uh, I mean I I still don't like football, uh, but you know, this this seems weird. So uh, I'm 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 interested in it. So that's that's why I thought I'd bring it up. I'm not trying to promote football. There are a lot of things. I I think people are allowed to have guilty pleasures in life. I think that they're okay, it's okay if there are things that you know you know this is an ideal. This is like in a perfect world would things would this would this exist? Probably not. But it's here and. You know, if I if I watch it, is it really going to make the world that much worse of a place? No. So I might as well enjoy myself. That's what I think about certain things, but not everything. There is no updated article about these people. They're still just missing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. I'll keep you updated. Weird. So many things are happening. It is. It That's is crazy. Um, That's all I got. Okay. Should we start? Yeah. We're what 10 you, minutes in. What do you have to talk about? So today I am talking about uh, football. Football. Oh. I think that's how. <laughs> football. That's how I said it in Spanish. Football. 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 El football. So soccer. I'm talking uh, about soccer. Soccer ball. But I will be saying football in this because. We're talking about round black and white football. Yeah. Round black and white football. And I'm talking about someone named Ronaldo. I've heard of him. Heard of him? Yep. Have he's you? like the main football guy. Yeah, he's a big football guy. He's, he's like the main one. So I'm talking sports again. You got him again. and you got Pele. Those are the guys that I know. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking sports again. So this is sports conspiracy. Conspiracy corner slash sports. <laughs> We talk about a lot of sport conspiracies here. I know. There's so many of them. I know. They're it's, fun. Uh, they are fun. Because should... there's so much like corruptness in in like uh major league sports. Oh yeah. And I love it. I mean, I don't love it. But <laughs> right. also it's like kind of not harmless. I'm not going to say it's harmless, but, but it's, it's lower stakes it's than It's not like a government other conspiracy, conspiracy theories, you know. Yeah, it's not rarely do they involve like murder and stuff. It's Right. Just like, this one doesn't. doesn't involve well, that's, murder. That's a relief. All right. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah, I do. So I got my sources from CNN, Bleacher Report, Wikipedia, The Guardian, and The Irish Times. Okay. So first from Wikipedia, I'm just going to read from Wikipedia here and tell you who Ronaldo is. Yeah. I changed it up a little bit, but it's pretty much just from Wikipedia. I'm going to tell you where I got my information from just so I can be a good person who cites my sources. Okay. According to Wikipedia, see, I even put that so it's legal. <laughs> so I'm quoting from Wikipedia right here, okay? Okay. Ronaldo Luis Nazario de Lima, 
Okay. Born September 18, 1976, commonly known as Ronaldo, is a Brazilian business owner, president of La Liga Club Real Valladolid, and a retired professional footballer who played as a striker. I did not look up what a striker is, but... I think they're the ones who... Uh... They do a lot of the scoring. They're, they're, yeah, they're the he guys scores who are a lot. Like yeah, the offensive players. Yeah. Um. So he is widely considered one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. So as a multifunctional striker who brought a new dimension to his position, Ronaldo has been the influence for a generation of strikers that have followed. His individual accolades include being named FIFA World Player of the Year three times and winning two Balloon d'Or awards. Okay. I don't know what that is, but it sounds legit. <laughs> uh, yeah, just to let you guys know, I don't know anything about soccer. <laughs> I never watched soccer. My family never watched soccer. It's not really big in the U.S. anyway, so a lot of people don't watch it, I wouldn't say. But soccer, my dad used to call them grass fairies. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's how I know soccer is a group of grass fairies. It's all. Okay. I don't think they're grass fairies. It's a very hard sport. Lots of cardio involved. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yep. Anyway, what? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Uh, Ronaldo started his career at Cruzeiro and moved to PSV in 1994. What? Did I say that wrong? No. Okay. You like laughed at me. Uh, he joined Barcelona in 1996 for a then record transfer fee and at age 20. Uh, 20 years old, he was named the 1996 FIFA World Player of the Year, making him the youngest recipient of the award. Man. Yeah. He's a big deal. What was I doing when I was 20? Nothing. Nothing good. Uh, let's see. In 1997, Inter Milan broke the world record fee to sign Ronaldo, making him the first player since Diego Maradona to break the world transfer record twice. That's what I was trying to think of a minute ago. I was trying to think of Maradona. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I wanted to say about him. At 21, he received the 1997 Balloon d'Or, and he remains the youngest recipient of that reward. award. <laughs> By the age 23, Ronaldo had scored over 200 goals for club and country, uh, however, after a series of knee injuries and recuperation, he was inactive for almost three years. Ronaldo joined Real Madrid in 2002 and won the 2002-2003 La Liga title, and he spells at AC Milan and Corinthians before retiring in 2011, ha- having suffered further injuries. So he retired in 2011. Okay. Uh, at the 2006 FIFA World Cup, Ronaldo scored his 15th FIFA World Cup goal, mm-hmm. a FIFA World Cup record at the time. Wow. He also won the 97 Copa America, where he was player of the tournament, and the 1999 Copa America, where he was top goal scorer. All right. I just kind of wanted to lay out how cool he is. Just a very, very good soccer player. One of the most remarkable sportsmen in the world during his playing career. The first Nike mercurial boots 
mercurial, mercurial boots, R9, were commissioned for Ronaldo in 1998. He was named in the FIFA 100 list of greatest living players compiled in 2004 by Pele, and he was inducted into the Brazilian Football Museum Hall of Fame, Italian Football Hall of Fame, Inter Milan Hall of Fame, and Real Madrid Hall of Fame. Okay. So in 2020, Ronaldo was named in the Balloon Dior Dream Team, a greatest all-time nine. Is that nine? That's uh, 11. Damn it. 11 published by France Football Magazine. In retirement form sport, Ronaldo has continued his work as a United Nations Development Program Goodwill Ambassador, a position to which he was appointed in 2000. He served as an ambassador for the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Ronaldo became the majority owner of Real Valladolid in... September 2018, after buying 51% of the club's shares. So he was a big deal. And he continues to be a big deal. And he continues to be a big deal in the name of soccer. Football. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's where I started this story. I thought I wanted to share a little bit. bit Because I did not know who Ronaldo was until this. Mm -hmm. All right. So I got this information from CNN. Okay. It's Paris. We're in Paris. Ready? Okay. Paris. July 12th. Okay. 1998. Okay. How old was I? April, May, June, July. Probably only a few months old. Three months old, probably, right? Three months and two days. Three months and two days old. Um, A game four years in the making. The FIFA World Cup Final. Historians will record the game as a 3-0 win. For Zindine, Zindine, Zidane, and France. A result that sparked emotional scenes of celebration on the champs' elises for the tournament host nation. Did I say that wrong? No, I don't don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to say it either. I assume you pronounced it wrong, but I don't know how to pronounce it right. (laughs) Well, don't laugh at me when I pronounce things, because then I question it. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) I know I'm saying it wrong, but if I say it confidently, then it's better. People will believe me. Yeah. Okay, um, it was the only World Cup final that Brazil lost between 1994 and 2002. But there was so much more to the story, and much of the excitement played out before a ball had even been kicked. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what this is going to be about. Huh? Yeah, the, yeah, this is about the 1998 FIFA World Cup final. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brazil versus France. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, great. The drama of the moment is perhaps best summarized by the renowned BBC match commentator John Motson. Motson. Okay. How would you say this name? I don't know. Um, yeah, Motson. who covered 10 World Cup tournaments during his broadcasting career. So Motson is the Okay. It's the guy who was reporting if, on this, who was uh, commentating. Mm-hmm. If you if you know about soccer and want to correct us on any of this or all of this, write email in. Email us. Email us. Tweet us. Knownunknownspodcast at gmail.com at unknownspod <laughs> on Twitter. Um, let's see. Quote from Motson. The team sheets were handed around by the stewards as usual. Lo and behold, Ronaldo's name was not there. And everybody looking at their handout had the same reaction. There were people standing up and waving and asking what was going on. We sat there in an absolute ferment, ferment, ferment for quite a long time, Motson said. So, 
restart the game. The biggest player ever. He's not on the sheets. He's not on the sheets. He's not playing in the World Cup. The FIFA World Cup Final 1998 in Paris. Well, why could that be? Well, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Ronaldo was one of the biggest stars in the world game. The man Brazilian fans expected to lead them to a fifth world title. Yeah. The notion that he wouldn't be playing was simply unthinkable. Uh Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm doing this on my computer today, so I'm not used to this. As those events unfolded in front of a global television audience of hundreds of millions of fans, nobody seemed to have any idea what was going on. Yeah. Uh, Matson said, uh, my reporting colleague, Ray Stubbs, saw Peel sitting in the commentary box. Right, Pele. Pele, sorry. Pele sitting in, in the commentary box. He ran down and asked him what it was all about. Pele just spread his hands and said, we knew nothing. That said he knew nothing. End quote. Man, if Pele doesn't know, who knows? Who's Pele? He's a, he was a, also a big soccer guy. Got it. Okay. Matson describes a state of total confusion lasting for what felt like, quote, half an hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This all seems very dramatic to me at the beginning. It's like they're all freaking out because Mm -hmm. this guy isn't on the list and everyone's like, can we even start the game? What's going on? And then the whole world is like, what? What is going on? Yeah. Like, what's happening? That's how it was. I just think it's very funny and it sounds very dramatic. The best soccer player in the world isn't going to play for his team in the World Cup? Why? Yeah. Did did something happen? Uh, We'll get into it. Okay. And then the team delivered, after the half an hour of chaos, Uh uh, the team delivered a revised team sheet with his name on it. Weird. With, uh, what's his name? Ronaldo. Ronaldo's name on it. Um, But this did not clear things up. It made things even weirder. That is weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Because did... Yeah. You'd think they wouldn't just forget him. Yeah. Yeah. In this new lineup... Ronaldo was going to be playing as Brazil's number nine, but with no further explanation, no one could say for sure whether Ronaldo would really be playing until the game actually started, and Ronaldo was undoubtedly on the field kicking that ball. I wrote that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you can't tell. I'm good at this. Yes. In, these, in those uncertain moments, <laughs> so dramatic. Yeah. It's a sport. <laughs> Okay. In those uncertain moments, Brazilian, French, and football writers from all over the planet. The planet? CNN, what are you talking about? (laughs) Why can't you just say the world? Were typing to make sense of everything that had just happened. Uh, Was the first team sheet a mistake? A typo? Was it gamesmanship? I don't know what that means. Were the Brazilians trying to throw the French team off their game? What do you think? Uh, oh, I mean, I think. What do you guess? I don't know, cause that I, I I don't think that it, it must have been them just trying gamesmanship, cause it seems. What's re- gamesmanship? Like trying to throw them off the game, trying to get in their head, trying okay. to be like, yeah, are we playing him? Are we not playing him? So you this don't is know what you think it is. Okay. Because I mean, it seems weird that they would just like leave him off the list by mistake. He's like the most yeah. famous guy. Mm-hmm. And, unless, it is like, weird, isn't for it? For some reason, unless. For some reason, he like maybe actually wasn't going to play. We'll get into That's it. That's the other possibility. Yeah. It's either he, yeah. This is weird, isn't it? It is. It's getting weird, huh? It gets weirder. 
Um, in the stadium, Matson's Matson's colleagues, the former England striker Gary Lineker, Lineker, I don't know, described it as the biggest windup in World Cup football history. Oh man, these these British commentators. I love yeah, I, know. I like them too. Uh, for people who are unfamiliar with big sports ball games around the world, there were other clues for everyone watching that something didn't seem right okay. for the Brazil team that day. Weird. Before the game even started, okay, mm-hmm. uh, there were no players on the field for a warm-up. No one ever came out to stretch or move around before the game, Matson said. Weird. That's very weird. No, like from either team? No, just the just Brazil no team. No Brazilians. No yet. Brazilians. French are out there. Oh, wait, Matson didn't say it. Matson said, quote, I always remember that because it was most unusual for a team not to come out and do some exercising. There was obviously quite a lot of things going on in the Brazilian dressing room, which we weren't party to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Ronaldo was like throwing a fit or something. He was like, I'm not going to play. And then they had to like calm him down. Well, we learn why. We okay. learn well, yeah, we learn I'm just We like, learn why he wasn't going to play. We don't uh, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. We don't really learn why he was put back on the sheet later to play possibly. Okay. Okay. Um let's see. Uh that would be uh that would be quite the understatement. Later, they found out that the Brazilian players should have been preparing for the biggest match of their careers, who should have been preparing for the biggest match of their careers, were uh, desperately concerned for their friend and teammate, Ronaldo. Dun-dun-dun. Was he missing? He was missing. Goalkeeper Dida, I'm going to say Dida, who was a part of the Brazil squad and who won the trophy with Ronaldo four years ago, told CNN when he arrived for the pre-match dinner, the atmosphere was not the usual happy vibe and something was up. Uh-oh. Quote from Dita, I could see everyone had a strange look on their faces in total silence. Very unusual for Bra- for Brazilians during finals. Oh, yeah. Someone said, Ronaldo is not well. He went to the hospital. Oh, no. End quote. It wasn't until several years later that Ronaldo admitted he'd experienced convulsions in his room and was unconscious for several minutes. Oh, man. His roommate, Roberto Carlos, told the team doctor, setting in, uh, setting in play a series of events that would rival anything that happened on the field later that night. All right, so the French poisoned him. Maybe. Ready? You want to hear more about what happened? Yeah, I do. I want okay. to know. So this is from the Bleacher Report. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of went more in depth of what actually happened in that moment. Right. Okay, so shortly after arriving back at the team hotel, Ronaldo, who was sharing a room with Roberto Carlos, broke down and cried. Quote, Ronaldo was scared about what lay ahead. End quote. Uh, wait, no. Roberto Carlos later told the BBC. And then quote again. The pressure had to, had got to him and he couldn't stop crying. End quote. Oh. Then at around four o'clock in the afternoon, Ronaldo began to convulse uncontrollably, eventually foaming at the mouth. Oh, man. A journal, as journalist Alex Bayos described the incident in The Guardian, Roberto Carlos shouted for help, with teammates Cesar Sampeo, Sam, yeah, Sampeo and, Edmo, and Edmundo arriving quickly at the scene, the latter preventing, preventing Ronaldo from swallowing his tongue. 
Then Ronaldo went to sleep, and the, and the team doctors agreed to avoid telling him what had happened when he woke up. <laughs> which is weird, because he fell asleep after that, yeah. so then when he woke... Okay, one of those doctors uh, later admitted to the Independent that he had never seen a player experiencing convulsions. That's not good. I mean, not good that he doesn't seem to have experience with that. He also revealed that Ronaldo had been taking the painkiller Volarin since re-aggravating a knee injury against Morocco on June 16th. Hmm. Quote, you see, we look after him. Uh, he has pain in between matches. We give him tablets. Okay. That's what the doctor said. <laughs> Which is just weird. <laughs> when Ronaldo woke up, he had a cup of tea. And thanks to the intervention of teammate Leonardo, he was told of his fits by Brazil's medical staff. So the teammates were like, no, we have to tell him he just had like a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can't just pretend nothing happened. Yeah. They were just going to pretend it didn't happen. And hope that he didn't remember. Yeah. And like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, no, man, you got to go to the hospital. Yeah. When Okay. Um, it was while he was at the Lila's clinic that his name was omitted from the team sheet by manager Mario Zagallo. Edmundo, the Fiorentina marksman who had reached into Ronaldo's mouth and held his tongue, was the starting 11 instead. Wait, XI, 9? That's 11. Was in the starting 11 instead. Oh, because they start 11 people. Yeah. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Edmundo okay. was now going in. He was going in. And he's step. the one who actually helped save his life. Right. So, so back to the CNN article. Ronaldo told the BBC in 2014 that he'd spent three hours in the hospital doing, quote, everything that you can imagine, end quote. There had been tests, there was medicine, but in the end, there was no conclusion. He said, quote, it was like the convulsions never happened. No one still knows why and how this happened, Dita explained. Uh, Dita says, when I went to the stadium, he was still in the hospital. We were all so worried and sad about him. We weren't clear on what was happening. The Brazilians made their way to the game without any music on the team bus, which means something is seriously wrong. No music on the team bus. Yeah. Um, when he arrived saying he wanted to play, this is a quote from Dita, when he arrived saying he wanted to play, there was an explosion of happiness, a bit of hope. We all knew that Ronaldo could do anything in a match, end quote. Mm -hmm. Ronaldo was the kind of megastar player that coach Mario Zagallo could hardly say no to. His replacement, Edmundo, was sent back to the substitute's bench, but the game plan... Uh, which had been hastily rearranged, was now discarded without any more time to rethink. Huh. Um, it is perhaps no coincidence that, for, that France's first two goals came from Zidane, uh, Zidane <laughs> at set-piece corners, exploiting gaps in Brazil's disorganized defense. So, let's take yeah. this back. Okay. He has a freaking seizure. Right. The first time ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't want to tell him. Yeah. And then they do. So he goes to the hospital and then they're like, nah, man, nothing's wrong with you. You didn't even, doesn't even look like you had a seizure. <laughs> yeah. So then he's like, all right, I'm playing. 
<laughs> you don't think he should? No! Uh, yeah, you're right. No. You're right about that. And why did he decide to just play? Why was he like, I'm going to play? Because that's what he lives for. He's, he he uh, came here to play. He's going to play. But why didn't anyone tell him he couldn't? Like, why did the coach and the doctors say, you can't, you need to sit this one out? If Ronaldo says he's going to play, he's going to play. Yeah, but that's not how that should work. <laughs> okay. It's weird. If you think about it, that's weird. Well, that yeah, everyone I let know. him do it. That yeah. he decided to do it. I don't know. It's just weird to me. The more you think about it, the weirder it is. Yeah, you're I right. Think. And then and then it throws off their whole plan because they had planned to not have him play. And then when they brought him back in, they're like, the game plan's all screwed up. Because first we were going to not have this guy playing, now we are going to have him play in, and mm-hmm. now we got to rearrange everything. Yeah. Once the game had started, it was soon apparent that Ronaldo wasn't firing on all cylinders. As the game slipped away from the defending champions, the 21-year-old was not the player who'd already won two FIFA Player of the Year awards and scored four times en route to the final. Quote, he, from Matson, uh, he went through the motions of playing center forward, but certainly he made no impact on the game. He just had a very, very average game, and so did the Brazilian team. Mm-hmm. The veteran commentator estimates that the events in Paris rank as the most extraordinary of his career, and the intrigue continued long after that night. <laughs> Matson was also calling the final in Yokohama four years later, narrating the most remarkable postscript for Ronaldo, who recovered from multiple knee injuries to score six times and then twice more in the 2002 final against Germany. So he seems to recover quickly, except for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> So here's where the um, conspiracy theories kind of come into play. All right. Because now we kind of have what happened, but now we get into the weird stuff of why. But why? And but how? why? According to the Independent, uh, Brazilian Football Confederation, the CBF, uh, President Ricardo Texera, he, oh wait, no, 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 me, walked into the team's dressing room about an hour before kickoff. 20 minutes later, Ronaldo arrived and Zagallo stroked Edmundo's name from the lineup and put Ronaldo's back. Okay. So it was right, it was 20 minutes after, let's see, 20 minutes after the Brazilian Football Confederation president entered was seen entering okay. the room. So he, he comes in and he has, a, he has a chat with the coach or whoever and they put his name back on. Okay. Yep. Um, the official line from the CBF and the few players who have ever discussed what happened in the hours leading up to the game, which is weird. No one's talked about it except for like maybe two or three people, mm-hmm. is that Ronaldo, feeling considerable pressure, got sick and just 40 minutes prior to kickoff, pronounced himself fit to play. Hmm. That's the official statement. Okay. But saying that he got sick, like a seizure-like state, he was foaming at the mouth, which seems interesting for... I don't know what necessarily... I guess you could foam at the mouth from a seizure. Probably. He had these convulsions. He almost died, probably. Right. If no one would have seen it, he probably would have died. Right. Um, And then they say it's because of the pressure? Mm -hmm. This is not his first game. (laughs) <laughs> At all. Like, sure. he is a seasoned player. Mm-hmm. Not but, saying the pressure can't get to him, but it's not like... Yeah. Why would, he have a, why would you have a seizure? 
Why I mean, would their official statement be he got sick because he got stressed, but now he's okay? Because he went to the hospital because he had a seizure, and then he decided to play that same day. Right. Yeah. I mean, at least I would say is inadvisable for him to play. If, but I don't know. Why did he pronounce himself fit to play? It should have been someone else was like, he's fit to play. He can play. It yeah. should not be... <laughs> I know I've been in the hospital for three hours, and I just had a seizure where I almost died, but I'm ready to play. <laughs> yeah, no. you'd, you'd probably want to get a, a professional opinion on that. <sighs> so, theory one. Ronaldo was hiding a secret medical condition. Oh. As far as we know, the July 12th seizure was the only one ever suffered by Ronaldo. And given a grooming process that took him to the 1994 World Cup as a 17-year-old, uh, never mind the four years of top-flight European football he played in the run-up to the 1998 competition, the idea that he suddenly broke down under pressure is curious, to say the least. Which, I agree. He's yeah. been playing since a child. Yeah. And since a child, he's been playing, like, professional football. Right. He was he was in the World Cup in 1994. Too. Yeah, he's been in the World Cup before. Right. So, so it's not his first rodeo. I mean, I guess you could say that, like... The last time he was there, he was 17, so it probably wasn't as much pressure on him. But he also, wasn't like a big star yet. Does the pressure cause a seizure? I, Can that happen? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Various reports, including the one by ESPN, have hotel director Paul Chavalier Chav hearing shouts of, He's dead! He's dead! So it's verifiable that a medical emergency did, in fact, transpire in that afternoon. Mm -hmm. uh, but what if Ronaldo had covered up a pre-existing condition? And what if the team's doctors, unaware of his situation, only made things worse by prescribing painkillers? It's possible. That's the theory. Yeah, maybe. That or, he was hiding a medical condition this whole time. Yeah, or he was, for some reason. Maybe he having, was, like, allergic to the painkillers. Yeah, or, like, or it had a bad reaction with something else that he took or ate. Yeah. I don't know. Theory two. Brazil's players accepted bribes to throw the match. Okay. Which is interesting. This theory has the Brazil squad being offered, oh, what's this, 15 uh, million pounds. pounds. That's what I thought. According to the Guardian. As well as the right to host a future World Cup in exchange for throwing the match against France. Part of the agreement is also said to have included the guarantee of a favorable draw in 2002. Mm. Ronaldo, uncomfortable with the arrangement, pulled out of the squad, but changed his mind after Nike told him he was raising, risking his sponsorship money. So Ronaldo was uncomfortable, so, so. he pulled out. So they don't think he actually had a... This theory is saying he didn't actually have a medical emergency. Right. He just pulled out. Yeah. Because... But then they're faking... The medical emergency mm -hmm. but then later he still threw the match right with the rest I... of the team mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah uh, it is interesting i mean yeah four years later brazil eased through a group that included china costa rica and turkey and five years after they were awarded the 2014 world cup mm -hmm. so things did go well for them after they threw that game right okay but why were they asked to throw the game? I guess if some team offered them a bunch of money. Yeah, or was the like uh, FIFA president French or something at the time? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Interesting. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, the FIFA F FIFA is renowned for their high levels of corruption. 
Um, <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I already know that. The, they're, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the next World Cup is being held in Qatar or Qatar. Um, basic it's it's basically a it's basically a common knowledge that it's just because they've been bribed so much to have it there all right uh, well that know, sucks because you know cutter isn't uh, the the first place you'd think of to have a no. f- you know a 120 degree outdoor football match in the middle of the desert Ooh, um, yeah no um that and man, mm. many other things but uh yeah so this theory is plot like i i could see this going off of like how how corrupt fifa is known to be i like that gives a credence yeah this this makes sense this isn't the one i mean i think this is a good possibility okay i I think it's a good theory but there's one that i think is true and that everyone else kind of pretty much thinks is accurate but this one's good if the other one isn't i'd say it's this one okay the third theory is that he was drugged Okay. That's all the information I could find on that. Okay. They all just said he was drugged, probably by FIFA or France. If the first, if the second theory I said was true, probably FIFA or something, mm-hmm. uh, or France. Or by team. another player on his team who was paid to throw the game. Yes. His, his roommate. Team, Maybe his, his roommate. His own, yeah. Or Edmundo. Or Edmundo. But he saved his life. Yeah, so I don't think so. But I don't think he expected him to uh, say... Right out of the hospital. Yeah. All right, I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his own team drugged him because they knew that he wouldn't th- want to throw the game. And he didn't want to throw the game. No, he still wanted to play even after they drugged him. Yeah. So here's the last final theory I have for you today. I- I'm pretty sure there's a couple others, but this is the most compelling. Okay. And the one that seems like, yeah, that's probably accurate. Okay. All right? Yeah. Theory three. Nike forced Ronaldo to play because he had the Nike the 15 million I think mm-hmm. oh wait no 80 million 80 million pound deal and he had a shoe uh, made for him or whatever yeah so uh, Nike forced him oh yeah because that was the, as you said before that was the year they made that special shoe yeah this was yeah. the year he made they made the special this shoe like, for him he was a big deal and he had like one of the highest like he was yeah, yeah that's like was, one of the biggest stars they were like sponsoring or mm-hmm. yeah at the time right he was the big deal that nike got yeah they, they don't want to he spent on, a lot they spent a lot of money yeah, for him the biggest star in the world playing in the biggest game uh every four years yeah yeah and okay let me get into it because it's really good (laughs) okay all right what's the theory this is funny because it says they had 80 million reasons to demand ronaldo (laughs) who is sponsored be included in zagayo's lineup that night (laughs) the company had invested significant resources in its agreement with texera and the cbf so so yeah texera who is the president of CBF. Mm-hmm. Okay, hang on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had invested significant resources as per the Independent. It was already common practice for them to request the full turnout of Brazil's best squad at international games. Okay. So that's mm. what they were. That's what they expect with this sponsorship. Right. That's what they expect with most all of their sponsorships. Right. 
Financially, Nike had a lot riding on the 1998 World Cup, and the majority of their pre-tournament marketing was based around Brazil and Ronaldo in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, quote uh, from, let's see. Let's see. Uh, the... Okay, let me just quote it. Quote, <laughs> in my time, it was the army generals running Brazil who uh, tried to pick the team. Remarked ni- 1970 World Cup winner Tostao Tostao in conversation with the Independence David Smith in August 1998. Quote, today it's the sponsors, the businessmen, the media moguls. The World Cup final is the world's biggest TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Mm-hmm. On July 13th, the day after the World Cup final, Nike released the following statement, Mm. which is already the fact that they had to release this statement. Okay. Quote, with regard to rumors circulating about presumed pressures Nike put on the Brazilian national soccer team so that Ronaldo would play, Nike wants to emphasize that the report of such involvement is absolutely false. It concluded, Ronaldo and Zagallo decided together to crown his this dream with the Brazilian player probably deserved to live, and all of this Nike did not interfere in any way. And besides, why should it have? End quote. <laughs> why is that so suspicious? <laughs> and to top it all off, okay, the Brazilian Football Confederation president Ricardo Texero, who the is the one who was seen going into the dressing room and then 20 minutes later Ronaldo was like sure I'll play mm-hmm. or he was put back on the list right after 20 minutes after this guy left he's the one who negotiated the Nike deal uh. and so he's the one who communicated between Nike and Ronaldo mm-hmm. so he was also financially compensated with this sponsorship right. so both the yeah. CBF and Nike were together in on this sponsorship kind of with right he Ronaldo was. and he yeah he was the guy who like communicated between the two Mm -hmm. so the fact that this guy went into the dressing room and then 20 minutes later he was put back on uh i think that's pretty much that's all i got here okay because i think that's the obvious yeah i think that he was pressured from the cbf and nike to play they were like you gotta play or we're gonna pull your sponsorship or you have to play or we're gonna do this like you think about all this money i mean it could be he just felt bad from all the responsibilities and pressure he had mm-hmm. but i'm it's suspicious that this guy right. went to the, went to talk to him and then 20 minutes later you know mm-hmm. he decided to play after because he was like no i'm not gonna play him in the hospital mm-hmm. and then after these this big guy came in and talked to him he decided he was fit to play right so mm-hmm. I think he was definitely pressured by CBF and Nike to play. I think you're right. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Isn't that I, just I, so suspicious? Yeah. I that mean, sucks, I, though. I, I, yeah. I mean, I could see it just being... <clears throat> um, I bet FIFA had some, like, connections with Nike. I bet they were all getting money well, yeah. from this Ronaldo guy. Oh, sure, yeah. You're... Because of this guy, and they were all, like, you have to play. If he's, like, not playing, like, uh, yeah, people aren't watching it, FIFA won't get any get as much money, yeah. 
I bet it was FIFA, the CBF, and there was, Nike. There was, uh, yeah, there was... I think he was forced to play. I don't think he was like... I genuinely think he was like very much pressured slash forced to play the game. Because there's no way that it was safe or... <laughs> there's no way no one would have been like, hey, maybe you shouldn't play. We're not going to put you on right. on for the for the day. We're not going to put you on the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, I so I can kind of see it like both. I mean, I can see him. I, I can see him like feeling that pressure, like he had to play without anyone explicitly saying you have to play. You know. But I think it was said. I, it seems likely, or or at least implied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can say I. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there is a lot of like you know machismo and stuff wrapped up in sports where you don't want to look soft and you want to like keep you want to like play no matter what like i mean the fact that no one talks about it either it seems like a lot of people were paid off to not talk about it right yeah that that's sketchy Mm -hmm. because i feel like why wouldn't you talk about it especially because ronaldo didn't come out and talk about it until like 2014 and even then he was just like this is what happened Mm -hmm. and that's it like this is what happened. I was in the hospital because mm-hmm. no one really knew why or what was going on. Yeah. But it was just a very basic, I was in the hospital and then I decided I wanted to play. Yeah. I don't think that's true. You're probably right. And he's still a big person in soccer, so I feel like he still would not talk about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he... He'd get pulled from a lot of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons he retired was because of his. He had. They said he had a weight problem. His oh. weight problem. So he gained some weight, and they're like, "You should retire." <laughs> and I think that's really sad. Yeah. He gained some weight, and then yeah. I just feel bad for this guy. I'm sorry. I feel bad because he should not have that. played. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It's kind of boring, but like the more you think about it, just the weirder it kind of is. And it is just kind of uh, corrupt. <laughs> it just kind of brings to light how corrupt it is because he shouldn't have played. Someone should have been like, you can't play. Yeah. A doctor should have been like, you're not playing. You're staying at the hospital. <laughs> you know, that's sketchy. It was unsafe. Mm hmm. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there was definitely stuff going on yeah for sure i mean the amount of like money involved in all of this is like uh, it's um, it's it's impossible there wasn't something going on there mm-hmm. in my opinion. it all just adds up so yeah that's what i think i think it all adds up to be all corrupt <laughs> absolutely i'm i'm with you on that all right well do you want to move on to your topic yeah. then all right let's i also hear it have a story involving South America. Cool. Where? Where? Um, Venezuela. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was burping and thinking about whether I should tell you yet. Oh. But it it doesn't matter. Yeah, Venezuela. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) No. All right. So here's, here's, I'm going to start now. Okay. Okay. Go. A hundred million years ago, dinosaurs ruled the earth. I love dinosaurs. Tyrannosaurus Rex okay. used their... Ma- I love dinosaurs, too. <laughs> uh, dinosaurs are so cool. Dinosaurs are so cool. We li- it's so cool that we live in Chicago, the home of Sue. 
I love Sue. Sue is my fave. They should put her on the flag. I want, we should. We should put (laughs) Sue on the flag. No, really. I really wish I could go back to the museum so I could see all the dinosaurs. I love the dinosaur skeletons. Yeah, they're real cool. They're so cool. I want to find a dinosaur. I think dinosaurs are so cool. I really should have tried. I really should have been, what, an archaeologist? Paleontologist. Paleontologist. That's what I should have gone to school for because... I want to dig for bones and cool stuff. Okay, keep going. It is cool. So, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex used their massive teeth and powerful jaws to tear through their prey's defenses. Sue! Triceratops used their horns and bony frill to defend themselves (laughs) from predators in between munching on conifers, ginkgos, and seed ferns. In the ocean, early sharks and rays swam alongside titans like the Plesiosaurus and the Chronosaurus. Hmm. But the organisms with the greatest impact on our modern world, as far as humans are concerned, were were some of the smallest. Aquatic microorganisms like zooplankton and algae lived and died and sank to the seafloor. Sometimes the remains of a great number would collect in one area, covered in stagnant water or sediment. Uh, And over time, more and more sediment would build up, and without oxygen, aerobic decomposition was impossible. Under one meter of sediment, uh, only anaerobic decomposers were able to act on the material, breaking them down into CO2, methane, and fulvic acids while leaving the fats and waxes uh, mostly untouched. So it created one big mound? You got, a, you got so a bunch of microorganisms, all their, all their remains fall to the bottom of the ocean. And it creates it's all one stagnant. Big... There's no oxygen getting in down there. So they're just collecting, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's getting covered over with dirt and sediment. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of the products of this slow breakdown worked as antibiotic agents, so under 10 meters of sediment, even anaerobic decomposition ceased. Further layers covered the deposit, and as they did, pressure built up on the microorganism remains. Uh, Pressure built up um, along with heat. Gradually, um, the slurry of partially decomposed resins, fats, waxes, and acids combined into a waxy substance called kerogen. Kerogen formation continued to a depth of one kilometer between, beneath the Earth's surface, where temperatures reached 50 degrees Celsius. If the kerogen were to be exposed to oxygen, it would oxidize and be lost. But if it stayed locked away, temperatures would continue to build up to between 60 and several hundred degrees Celsius. Slowly, extremely slowly, over millions of years, the atoms in the kerogen rearranged themselves to form petroleum or crude oil okay this process happened in locations all over the world but nowhere more concentrated than in the place we now know as venezuela so this is about petroleum it's about venezuela (laughs) okay some 300 billion barrels lie under the earth there the discovery of these deposits in the 20th century brought rapid economic growth to venezuela and along with it the attention of the united states Mm-hmm. You don't want the attention of the United States. Oh no! You don't. If want you're that. anywhere in the global south, you're you gotta stay under the radar. Yeah. 
A string of dictatorships ruled over Venezuela, interspersed with popular uprisings, which rarely lasted for more than a few years before the CIA would sweep in to restore democracy by taking political power from the people and returning it to an unelected military dictator. In 1999, though, a successful socialist revolution swept Hugo Chavez into power. Uh, And he and his successor now, Nicolas Maduro, have been somewhat more successful in dodging coup attempts. Um, The most recent of those is what I'm talking about today. Yeah. All right. So. Coups. Coup. Coop. Coop. I don't know. This. This. this Wait. Good coup. Bad coup. Bad. Mm. Are coups good sometimes? (laughs) Coups can be good, right? I guess uh, arguably they can be good. Yeah. If you're. If you're overthrowing a bad a government. Good, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but this is a bad coup. Bad, yeah, bad coup attempt. So uh, an article from the Associated Press, um, May 1st, 2020. Um, the plan was simple, but perilous. Some 300 heavily armed volunteers would sneak into Venezuela from the northern tip <laughs> of South America. Along the way, they would raid military bases in the socialist country and ignite a popular rebellion that would end in President Nicolas Maduro's arrest. What could go wrong? As it turns out, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so this was a a, a very, very poorly thought out and laughably inept coup attempt uh, by okay. some American mercenaries. So this has nothing to do with the dinosaurs and the petroleum Well, I mean, the, the reason, huh? I mean, it's another chapter in the U.S.'s attempt to al- allow uh, <laughs> capitalist extraction of, ne- of Venezuela's resources <laughs> as vast oil reserves. If, if that did not exist, this wouldn't happen. Okay. That's, so, that's what I wanted. Funny coup attempt. Yeah. I like it. Um, the, the ringleader of the plot is in the U.S., uh, is now jailed in the U.S. on narcotics charges. You know, you got hmm. a winner there. Yeah. Authorities in the U.S. and Colombia are asking questions about the role of his muscular American advisor, a former Green Beret, and dozens of desperate combatants who flocked to secret training camps in Colombia uh, said they have been left to fend for themselves amid the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> you, you try to join a right-wing death squad and they don't even give you even... like basic they don't even give you a mask rude <laughs> um the failed attempt to start an uprising collapsed under the co- collective weight of skimpy planning uh feuding among opposition politicians and a poorly trained force that stood little chance of beating the venezuelan art military you're not going to take out Maduro with 300 hungry, untrained men, said Efrem Matos, a no. former U.S. Navy SEAL who trained some of the would-be combatants in first aid. So he, this guy's saying that you're not going to take out him out with all these untrained guys who he helped train. Who he helped train. <laughs> should have been a better trainer, Yeah, dude. you should have been. I was going to say, speaks to your training abilities. No. Planning for the incursion... Uh, began after an April 30th, 2019 barracks revolt by a cadre of soldiers who swore loyalty to Maduro's would-be replacement, Juan Guaido, uh, the opposition leader recognized by the U.S. and some 60 other nations as Venezuela's rightful leader. Um, Contrary to U.S. expectations at the time, key Maduro aides never joined with the opposition and the government quickly quashed the uprising. (laughs) So this guy, Juan Guaido, in January of 2019, he just... He's the leader of the opposition party in Venezuela. And so after the election, 
uh, there, he just declared, he was just like, the election was illegitimate. I'm the president now. He was just like, um, hmm. the, Good. the guy who won the election, he's not the president. It's me. I'm the, and so the U.S. and the EU and a bunch of other, like Australia and stuff, uh, recognize this guy as the official president of Venezuela, even though. Uh, even though he isn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? This is whack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, a few weeks later, some soldiers and politicians involved in the failed rebellion retreated to the J.W. Marriott in Bogota, Colombia. Bogota. I like Bogota. <laughs> the hotel was a center of intrigue among Venezuelan <laughs> exiles. For this occasion, <laughs> conference rooms were reserved for what one participant distra- described as the Star Wars Summit of Anti-Maduro Goofballs. <laughs> Military deserters accused of drug trafficking, shady financiers, and former Maduro officials seeking redemption. I just like the idea of like, uh, a, I don't know, like hotel conference rooms being like, <laughs> I'm just picturing like the carpet and like the fluorescent lighting there as the place where you're like g- g- having a convention to plan a coup. To plan a coup. <laughs> I know that's very funny to think mm-hmm. about. Among those angling in the open lobby was Jordan Goudreau, an American citizen and three-time Bronze Star recipient for bravery in Iraq and Afghanistan, where he served as a medic in U.S. Army Special Forces, according to five people who met with the former soldiers. At the end of an otherwise distinguished military career, the Canadian-born Goudreau was investigated in 2013 for allegedly defrauding the Army of $62,000 in housing stipends. Anyway... (laughs) This guy is also hit a, a thing that it wasn't a, really relevant anywhere, but that I found funny was that his ex-wife was a, uh, a a bodybuilder who also went to like the University of Florida and uh, helped recruit people for the FBI. Oh, <laughs> interesting just, person. Yeah, just an interesting life. Yeah. Um, in 2018, he set up Silver Corp USA a private security firm near his home in Florida's Space Coast to embed counter-terror agents in schools disguised as teachers. Oh, my God. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. The the company's website features photos and videos of Goudreau firing machine guns in battle, running shirtless up a pyramid, flying on a (laughs) private jet, and sporting a military backpack with a rolled-up American flag. No. (laughs) What? Oh, gosh. Uh, Silver Corp's website touts operations in more than 50 countries with an advisory team made up of former diplomats, experienced military strategists, and heads of multinational corporations, none of them named. Uh, It claims to have led international security teams for the President of the United States. I couldn't find a source for this, but I remember at the time when this story was happening, people, like, found, uh, people looked at, like, the portraits of, like, the people that they said like worked for them on the website and they were basically just like stock photos where they like just like slightly photoshopped them to make them darker (laughs) i love it i love that (laughs) like stock photos and like random like like profile pictures from like linkedins of random people so funny oh my gosh i love it oh just an absolute scam company being tasked with leading this coup (laughs) yeah yeah. I like it. I know. Uh, it's uh-huh. unclear uh, where um, uh, Goudreau and Alcala, this uh, former like uh, general, I think, in the Venezuelan army, who is also the leader, um, got their backing. And whatever money was collected for the initiative appears to have been meager. 
One person who allegedly promised support was Rowan Kraft, an eccentric descendant of the cheesemaking family. <laughs> what? <laughs> At some point, Kraft started raising money among his own circle of fellow trust fund friends for what he described as a private coup to be carried out by Silver Corp, according to two businessmen who, who he asked for money. This is a weird story. I know, it this is, is weird. weird. <laughs> Uh, Kraft allegedly lured prospective donors with the promise of preferential access to negotiate deals in the energy and mining sectors with the eventual Guaido government, um, uh, said one of the businessmen. He provided the AP a, with a two-page unsigned draft mem memorandum for a six-figure commitment he said was sent by Kraft in October in which he represents himself as the prime contractor of Venezuela. Um, yeah, so... Was cheese air was trying to cheese get people air. to invest and saying that they they would get you know for the the first shot at like uh, getting at the Venezuelan oil. Um, <laughs> the okay. plot the plot quickly crumbled in early March when one of the volunteer combatants was arrested after sneaking across the border into Venezuela from Colombia. Uh, shortly after, Colombian police stopped stopped a truck transporting a cache of brand new weapons and tactical equipment worth around $150,000, including spotting scopes, night vision goggles, two-way radios, and 26 American-made assault rifles with the serial numbers rubbed off. Fifteen brown-colored helmets were manufactured by High-End Defense Solutions, a Miami-based military equipment vendor owned by a Venezuelan immigrant family. Um, apparently, uh, there was a contract to do the coup with Silver Corp signed by several high-ranking Venezuelan opposition officials. Um, some of the highlights from that, um, and, uh, from a Bellingcat article on the topic, um, they agreed to a, uh, operation to capture slash detain slash remove Nicolas Maduro, um, and remove the current regi regime and install the recognized Venezuelan president Juan Guaido. Um, Silver Corp demanded $1.5 million up front to do this, um, but um, uh, the guy, J.J. Rendon, who was like the representative from the uh, Guaido uh, people, mm -hmm. only ended up giving him $50,000 um, up front uh, when it became nearly. clear that he didn't actually. Uh, Goudreau like, promised that he had like 800 men and stuff ready to go, and it became clear that he didn't actually have what he promised no they, they gave him fifty thousand dollars but he, he still kept going ahead with the plan um the contract seems to have uh, been put together pretty amateurishly um at the time i remember someone saying that it was from like an online like contract template like kind of service <laughs> um but i couldn't find a source on oh that either my God. Uh, it features an equal rights clause uh that says silver corp usa shall strive to create a diverse team inclusive of gender and ethnicity with a particular focus on Venezuelan citizens. You know, the wow. dope, in the Equality. 21st century, the death squads are woke. The death squads are woke. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. They're also, uh, they're also competent in their uh, PR uh, or aware of their PR obligations. Uh, <laughs> as it says, service provider will embed media teams at all stages of the operation to record documentary style footage. Footage will include, but not limited to, B-roll, critical moment captures, and personal interviews. This is so wild. What? <laughs> uh, the signers of this document maintain first right of refu refusal in terms of buying copyrighted material encapsulating the pro this project. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. I can't tell if they're trying to overthrow a government or make or a... Or make a movie. Yeah. 
Um, the Silver Corp website uh, terms and conditions page um, apparently was just plagiarized directly from the Masterclass website. Um, evidence being that they forgot to it. remove the multiple mentions of Masterclass <gasps> from the text, as well as <laughs> hyperlinks to the Masterclass website. <laughs> this is so sad, mm -hmm. but I love it. Yeah. This is so funny. Oh, okay. Um, so if you want, do you want to know how the operation actually went? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Why so, would I? Yeah. I, I assumed you might. Um, yeah. So here's a, a Rolling Stone article on the topic. Mm -hmm. um, the two Americans left late on May 2nd, 2020, well after dark had fallen on an arid beach near Castilets in northern Colombia. The men, both ex-Special Forces, had been waiting to pile into a flat-bottomed boat stocked with guns and ammunition and about 50 Venezuelan revolutionaries for a journey into the heart of enemy territory. The mission was Operation Gideon, and its objective was to overthrow President Nicolas Maduro. But the weather wasn't cooperating, and the, the 5 p.m. launch had been delayed by an hour and then another. <laughs> One pilot boat carrying 11 had already shipped out but the Americans waited for the all-clear from the operation's leader, Jordan Goudreau, the intense ex-Green Beret and head of the private security company Silvercorp USA. Goudreau was some 1,100 miles northwest in Florida. The boat he intended to get him to Venezuela had broken down. <laughs> uh, pouring over weather forecasts and giving orders via satellite phone, um, yeah, that's what he was doing. Around 8 p.m., the winds finally lulled. Goudreau ra radioed the two Americans to depart. The plan, even in good weather, would have been incredibly risky. Um, yeah. Remember uh, I said 300 uh, re uh, freedom revolutionaries at the beginning? Um, yeah. They, they end up at this point uh, in the two boats they have uh, 60. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it a lot. They were to sail undetected through hostile waters for about 16 hours before landing just north of Caracas. From there, they would fan out. One group would take over a broadcast station, which would activate a number of sleeper cells. The two Americans would commandeer an airport, while another group would capture Maduro, the feared Bolivian, uh, Bolivarian dictator who has starved his people, uh, yada, 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 um, and the US, U.S., which had placed a $15 million bounty on his head. Um, or they, they would exfiltrate the deposed leader via plane to the U.S., which had placed a $15 million bounty on his head. Pretty much everything went wrong. The revolutionaries, having trained on land, spent their miserable voyage seasick and vomiting overboard. Oh my God. Hourly calls between Goudreau and the mercenaries failed to go through. In one crucial miscommunication, Goudreau thought the boats were, were turning back to Colombia when they'd <laughs> sailed on. An engine gave out. Fuel ran low. Um, Did any of them make it? The uh, the two American uh, special forces guys barely spoke any Spanish. Um, yeah. Uh, Venezuelan fishing boats informed the government at, of at least one of the vessels. So they were just just fishing boats saw them and like reported them. <laughs> Very um, sneaky. The, pi the pilot boat was overtaken by the Venezuelan military, which killed six men on board. The larger one was escorted by Maduro forces into the sea town of Macuto. In propaganda videos released by Venezuela, the rest of the revolutionaries, as well as the two Americans, can be seen aboard of the boat with their hands in the air. So none oh, of them like, even made it to land. <laughs> none of them made it to land? No. <laughs> um, the 
the like the Venezuelan government had had I guess infiltrated the group very early on and so like knew knew everything, everything about everything they were doing in addition to the fact that they were extremely sloppy with their own opsec um let me look up I forgot to have this tweet this ready um uh shoot um okay uh, yeah they were Venice real sloppy way. they tweeted out like no. pictures of like they them tweeted? training and stuff like beforehand like just a picture of like uh <laughs> people are so dumb um, i love it tweet. um and there was one tweet in particular that was really funny um oh, shoot what is it uh Oh. <laughs> uh, did they say something or was it photos oh yeah from at silver corp usa no it's just a a, a a tweet um okay from the day of their invasion uh at silver corp usa tweeted strike force incursion into venezuela 60 venezuelan two american ex green beret at real donald trump this is right before they so started they tweeted it they just yeah what <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. Uh, this right is not before a good they coup. set out on the boats. Yeah. Um, okay. That's that's about it. That's uh, that's how it ends. Um, the 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 guy, the main guy, the Jordan Goudreau, he he seemed to have just been lying to everybody. He was like scamming everybody pretty much. He was just lying about like having high connections to like the Trump administration to the Venezuelans. He was telling them he had a lot more guys. He was lying to like the people who had like the Alcala guy who was like, um, who was like training people telling him that he was like ex CIA and stuff. Um, All it right. was really funny. Yeah, that was, was really funny. I, <laughs> uh, I hope there's a movie about it someday. <laughs> oh yeah. They should make a movie about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's funny. Is uh, people people have been called people called it so at the time the Bay of Piglets, just because it was <laughs> even more even more failed than the uh, Bay of Pigs. Just a real a glimpse into how far the CIA has fallen. <laughs> could be used used to be it could take over a Latin American country in a in a weekend. Yeah. Now, we got people like this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's what I got. All right. Well, I'm ready to uh, leave because I'm really tired. All right. Let's pack it up. It's really late. <laughs> I'm really tired. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. I've been Harry. I'm still Carly. And this has been... Known Unknowns. Keep it creamy. Because it's weird out there. Bye. Bye.